Hey there, this is AJ Fry from Interspace Week, nights at 6 and 11 on Space, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. Aw. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 172. My name is Jay, the Jedi Ross. Please excuse me while I flick my bick. Excellent! Ooh, yes, homegrown goodness. Oh, local and organic. Truth be told. Testify. That was some good goodness, kids. Welcome back. It's wonderful to be back here with you in the L5J studios, beautiful Clarkson, Ontario, Canada. How you been taking it? Because we've been bringing it to you. I've been tossing it out there at you like like a couple of week almost, just pure bombarding you with wonderful, awesome, independent comic creator goodness. I hope you're loving it. I hope you're lapping it up because this episode ain't going to be any different. This week, I welcome to the show Mr. Andrew Shea Hahn. He is a local comic book creator, writer, artist extraordinaire. Uh, he's responsible for the comic books Cryptozombic and the Homeless G-Men, which are both very, very, very cool, fun comic books that you should all check out, uh, which you'll hear about in tonight's show. Part of the reason that uh, Shay and I got together for this conversation, other than to talk about his awesomeness and his work, was uh, he's throwing an event that you've heard me yammering about on the show the past couple episodes, happening this coming weekend, November 14th and 15th. It's Pints and Pages, a whole bunch of the GTA, which for those of you who don't know, because I've been saying it a lot, the GTA is the Greater Toronto Area encompassing kind of all of southern ontario in a way but either way uh a whole bunch of artists from the gta will be coming together to hang out uh to draw drink and be merry Uh, a whole bunch of comic awesomeness will be going on at the cameron house in toronto on the 14th and 15th 3 to 7 p.m you will hear all about it you will hear all about the toronto comic book scene we talk a little bit about the michigan comic book scene do a little bit of a comparative study uh shay's a very very awesome guy i met him at hamilton comic-con a couple weeks back and it was no surprise to me that he ran in a particularly same circle to the one that i've been running in at the cons for a while uh you know 
hanging out with some very, very cool artists as we're going to do next weekend. Because, of course, I will be there, and Elegant Weapon will be there, and we will be podcasting the whole Pints and Pages event. So, uh, the only thing lacking from this week that has been in the prior weeks is there's no Kickstarter to push right now. But there is the event, Pints and Pages. Uh, it's on Facebook there, too. Uh, a. Shea Han is also on Facebook, but uh, you can find all the links, of course, on anelegantweapon.ca. Uh, also, I'd like to put a quick little plug out for my other show that I do, of course. It's called Two Jays Later with me and Josh, and we put out episode 47, which can be found at pointsofinterestpodcast.com or on iTunes under Points of Interest Podcast Network. We welcomed artist Jay Fosgett to the show. Jay is the artist on uh, My Little Pony and his own book, Bodie Troll, and he recently... Well, he didn't recently do, but was recently released a cover that he did for the Sesame Street comic book. So we got him on two days later, and we had a really cool conversation all about the Muppets. Full hour, just talking Muppets. It was super, super cool. So go check out Two Jays Later. You can also follow that show on Twitter at Two Js Later. Do it up, do it up, do it up. Spark it up, enjoy it up. But uh, here we go. Right now, this week. On an elegant weapon. My conversation with the awesome Mr. Andrew Shea Han. Do enjoy. Autobots, roll out. So, are you right in Toronto or? Yeah, yeah. I'm in the East End. Oh, okay. Like out near the beaches or? Uh, Coxwell and Danforth. Yeah. Oh, damn. God. Were you born and raised out there? Or? No, no, no. Uh, we own a house out here, my wife and I. So. Oh, nice. So the, last, you... the last affordable neighborhoods in, <laughs> in yeah. the city. It's getting tough out there, eh? Everybody's going to be moving out to the hammer soon enough. Heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm out in Mississauga here, and it's like no hopes. You know, if I if I want a house, it's going to have to be like Milton Bound or something crazy. <laughs> it's just getting worse and worse. It makes no sense to me either. It's a, you know, it's like refit your entire plan. <laughs> Start now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be nothing but condos in Toronto soon anyways. Holy, who wants to live in those anyway? I don't. I know, eh? Like little tiny boxes. It's kind terrible. Of, yeah, they're it's... built like crap. Like, <laughs> they're awful. And they always get you with those maintenance fees. It's like twice the payment. You know, everything. I've done jobs in them in the past, and like you could just walk in if you wanted to and tear your buddy's kitchen cupboards right off the wall. They're just held together with finishing nails and tape and uh, just <laughs> garbage. It's like IKEA built the building itself. Totally, totally. <laughs> Cheapest way possible to do something is is your condominium. <laughs> that's that's what it is. So, what area did you grow up in then? I grew up in Kitchener. Oh, really? Waterloo. Okay. Oh, yeah, and then moved here to go to university and then said, I'm not going back there. Are you crazy? <laughs> well, I guess that's a big change, eh? Like uh, Kitchener-Waterloo area and Guelph and everything. It's a, it's, a, it's a bit more mellow than the downtown core. You know? <laughs> my, uh, my grandparents lived in Toronto, so, and my mom grew up here, so I've been coming to Toronto since I was a, a baby, you know? So See that transition was easy. I'm always curious about it because, I mean, I meet a lot of these guys and uh, these comic creators in Toronto and stuff, and they they all were, like, born and raised there. And for me, as a kid who, you know, spent the early years in St. Catharines and, you know, the past, whatever, 30 years here in Mississauga, I... I can't grasp what it would be like to be like a little like, you know, five to ten year old kid living in the downtown core of Toronto, you know, like 
Oh, yeah. You learn to ride the subway early, I guess, and do stuff on your own. I think it's... I think it's cool. I mean, I, like now that we have a child, it's like I wouldn't want her to grow up outside of Toronto. I do want her to be have access to as many things as we do, you know, like something going on every day. Well, that's why it was nice. It was least nice growing up in Mississauga because, I mean, Tio's only, you know, half hour away, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, we had our adventures as kids there, but – I always thought it would be really cool, like you see in the movies or on Degrassi, you know, kids in New York or Brooklyn, just like pure street kids, you know, who grew up playing stickball in the alleys. And... Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. And it, it's that thing where it's like there's a certain level of comfort and confidence, I think, that just comes with growing up in a larger city, too, right? Like I've met people who are scared of Toronto. They're oh, yeah, yeah. Of- and it yeah. makes no sense. It's like, what exactly are you afraid of? What do you think is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Just daylight murders in the streets. Yeah, and yeah. Theft and rape and <laughs> wolves on crack. You know, <laughs> I actually I watched a really interesting. Uh, you know, Anthony Bourdain. Yes, of course. Uh, I didn't know about his one show, Travel, or sorry, Layover. It was yeah. called. I and... had heard of that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Well, I was in Michigan and uh, I was staying at a friend's house and I got to experience the glory that is U.S. Netflix because, you know, it's like 98% bigger than ours, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's pathetic. But they had this show and he did a whole thing. He spent 36 hours in Toronto. Okay. And I got to learn tons of stuff, like a lot I knew, but there was tons I just had no idea about, like certain areas and restaurants and hangouts and history and and it was cool, but the first thing he said at the beginning of the episode was, Toronto is an ugly city. Really? And that was his first five minutes, was just describing how it's outdated, trendy architecture from like postmodern 70s. And, and I was kind of listening, and he had a point, and he said, but the beauty of Toronto is actually having to get in there in like these nooks and crannies of interesting places that you've got to like dig to find. And I totally got what he was saying. Toronto is kind of like that, you know? Well, it's a city, too, that having lived here as long as I have, that is is one of the major cities. It evolves. It changes, right? If you look at the Dundas and Ossington area 10 years ago, it did not exist. It was not a hotbed of restaurants and bars that it is now. It was drug deals and old Portuguese people. <laughs> Very you know? true. And in 10 years, the whole thing has changed. You know, that sort of the gentrification is sweeping and it's everywhere and it fits into all of these areas and just, Changes them, you know? And yes. then you look at the major streets, places like Queen Street or College Street, and to me, they're dead, you know? they What once was the hub and the place to be is now, because of rents being so high, people who want to start something cool and that can't. So they go to other areas, you know? Absolutely agree. Queen Street, it's so unfortunate because, um, you know, that was being a teenager in the 90s and going downtown. And yeah. that was the place. That's where you got your docks. That's where you went yep. to Kensington. That's that's where everything happened. That's and nice. it was so cool. Like, everything was so genuinely cool. But now you're right. It's empty. I mean, even the Silver yep. Snails moved up to Young and Dundas. Yeah, you know? it's just big box type stores or chain stores or whatever. And that. Or if you open a restaurant, you probably don't last six, seven months until – you know, you just can't afford to pay to be there anymore. You know, it's uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. strange. But, but then you've got like the Cameron House, <laughs> which has successfully been there for a hundred and something years. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's a few like gold spots like that. Um, I actually haven't been to the Cameron House myself. 
So Oops. I'm looking forward to checking it out on uh, next weekend on November 14th and 15th at Pints and Pages. That's right. <laughs> so how did this come about, man? How did this spring into your brain? Well, there I mean, there have been drink and draws and stuff like that going on forever. But uh, last year I did Toronto Comic Con for the first time in May or June or, or sorry, March. It's in March, isn't it? Yeah, March. Yeah. And uh, I'd go to the Cameron house after and I'd count my cash and have a beer and talk about my day with people who were there. And then I'd sell some comics to them because they're like, oh, I, I've never been to a comic convention, but I want to check out your comics. So I was like, well, here I am sitting here drinking a beer, selling comic books. Why don't I just put together an event and bring in some of the guys that I've met through the comic book circles and do that here, you know, so you can bring in people who don't need to pay a cover to go to a convention or people who just like comics or people who are lapsed comic book fans who want to see what's going on by some indie creators and make an event of it. Absolutely. It's such an easy, casual way to kind of, you know, for sure, you know, pick a guy's brain and see what these guys see. I really, really appreciate that you're doing this actually, because um <clears throat> excuse me for the past few years uh i've been heading down to michigan a lot mm -hmm. and checking out motor city comic-con and such and grand rapids comic-con yeah and, you were just at grand rapids weren't you oh yeah it was a great yeah. time it was a beautiful city just gorgeous town i mean even comic con comic-con aside it was it's a great place to visit michigan's a gorgeous gorgeous area go wolverines yeah but uh it, it there's something I experienced when I went down there that I haven't experienced in any of my con travels. And there is, there's a, a serious, serious community going on in the comic book world in Michigan. Like there's this support structure and this positivity that it's just, it's like a buzz, you know, it's like the place to be right now. That sounds great. It's, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. It's, it's, nobody wants nobody's stepping on each other like everybody wants to see everybody else succeed and they kind of want to see the michigan scene itself succeed and be what it kind of is so i've met some amazing people and i've done all that i can to try and bring a little bit of that back to toronto with me because i mean the difference is i mean yeah you're only in like you know novi michigan kind of area compared to toronto fourth largest city in the continent you know what i mean it's yeah. it's it's a big difference but I still think it's possible. So when you, when you know when you told me you were doing this and it all came about, I was like, "This is what we need. The more of this kind of stuff, you know, I more agree. more support, like support the community as a whole, you know." I think I think when you go, I mean, as an indie comic creator, I am selling my book to a a crowd that has never heard of me. So I am competing against every type of fandom there is to try to get five minutes to pitch someone and sell them comic book. I'm going up against The Walking Dead, Deadpool, and cosplay contests, uh, established Marvel properties, you know, DC properties. It's like, hi, I'm Shay. You've never heard of me. This is my comic book. Would you like to buy it? And a lot of people have just aren't serious collectors or they aren't into indie books, so it's a bit of a slog. So I figured if we just put a bunch of guys together who do this – we will bring in the people who just want to pick up indie comic books and get more of a chance to talk to a comic book maker than you're, you sort of get to at a, at a con, you know, 
because you're standing there talking and all of a sudden a wave of people seems to sweep down <laughs> the artist alley and pushes <laughs> everyone with it, you know? Yeah, yeah, because there's 13 people standing there wanting to take the picture of some cosplayer like, exactly, who exactly. has no business being an artist alley. Yeah, am I, I, I love cosplay. I love those people. I, oh, I love it too. But I can't I, I, the effort some people put into it. It's amazing. But Oh, it's impressive as hell. I think there should be a real – like it's kind of getting better at Fan Expo as far as – designated areas but they should really have like a more concrete area for that you know like yeah. i mean I, i've been discussing with people with uh with people this a lot lately about how there might be a call for even more separation of artists sally mm -hmm. you know because i mean you're getting to the point where you've got so many illustrators and god bless them you know they're doing wonderful work and wonderful art but they're not having to sling it like these guys wanting to sell their comic books, you know? Yeah. It's like it's that's why it's hard for me. I'll go to a convention and if it's like eighty percent illustrators, I actually don't have many people to talk to. Yeah, yeah. Because they're just drawing pretty pictures of other people's ideas and work. It's yeah. You I, know, and I what am I gonna get out of that, you know? But when I talk to comic artists, there's a story. There's a, a story in the story about the story, the story about how they got the story, the <laughs> the story that they fought through to make the story. Like there's so there's so much more passion and emotion there that it makes for much more interesting conversation, you know. Like I'm surprised I hadn't ran across you yet till Hamilton Comic Con because we I, seem to kind of run in that little circle of people we're getting to know, you know. I've only been doing cons and making comics for a year and a half or so. Okay. Uh, with seven months prior to that to make the first issues, I've been an illustrator and painter in in the city since I graduated from art school, doing murals, you name it, all over. But I've always been a comic fan since I was a kid. And finally decided, like, okay, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it, you know? So yeah. I started making my own books. And, like, I got together the stories I wanted to tell and took some time to think about that and develop characters and write my arcs and loosely and then went, all right, here we go. So I taught myself Manga Studio uh, as I worked on the books. You know, I taught myself how to work with printing companies, et cetera, et cetera, as I just kept going along making the comics it was sort of an all immersive all oh dude i love to hear that because 100 percent you know floating in comics for, oh for dude as, as i've been trying to like learn to do this podcast over the past few years it's been absolutely that like while i'm recording i'm learning audacity i'm learning paint i'm you know i, I love the process of learning as you go you know it's it's an exciting thing you know I had no choice. It was sort of like I wanted to do it now. Uh, one of the one of the another impetus for doing it was that my wife had just we had just gotten pregnant. So I realized I needed a product that I could prepare in advance and sell later on because I won't have as much studio time now. I will hmm. be the stay at home dad more. So I do have uh, seven comics now that I've done. And can take to cons and sell, and I've got some prints of the characters and things and stickers and things like that. So I do have packages I can just assemble and bring to the cons as opposed to right now. I know I won't be able to have as steady a work schedule uh, because the baby's here. Oh, of course. Well, that's smart. You're getting ahead. It's, it yeah. pays to be prepared, you know, so – you know that's cool yeah there's a few people i mean uh sean daly uh yeah. in particular what three years now maybe he's been drawing mm -hmm. and just never did before like it sounds like you have a history where'd you go to school i went to york but i've been taking art classes since 
I was seven or eight years old. It's just always nice. been Yeah, so that's always – yeah, it sounds like it's been just part of your being. Whereas yeah. Daly was always a musician. And then three years ago, literally out of the blue one day, he's like, I think I'll draw. Oh, look, I'm good at drawing. Like, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was the first guy that I kind of got to know because – we shared a, a local comic book store, uh, Comics and More, which is okay, uh, yeah, yeah. It's closed, uh, which is really an un, un, unfortunate story. But uh, yeah, and that's how I got to know him. And then we realized he or I was following on Twitter first or something. Then he mentioned it. I was like, oh, you go there. I go there all the time. OK, well, and that's how we just kept talking. So he was sort of my first connection to the local comic market besides my own uh, couple of buddies who I buy comics with and we talk, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's I, making books, you know. Sean is a great representative. Like he's more Canadian than most of our us Canadians. Like there's <laughs> there's there's no nicer, more polite guy. You know, throwing yeah. free work at people all the time. <laughs> it comes across in his in his books too. Tara Quill is a very it has a ton of heart. It's yeah. a very human and very emotional book. You know, it's not about macho superheroes and tights and whatever you know there's a real heart to a lot of the stories i really appreciate that about them too Oh, it's really original like it's really his own thing that he's got going you know so yeah it's i'm excited to see him actually it's been a little bit so uh was, i guess fan expo was the last time i saw him mm-hmm. I but, saw, uh, I, yeah i haven't seen him in over a year i mean we've talked online plenty but it's been a while yeah it's it's growing, you know. I'm seeing it as uh, as I've you know as the years kind of grow together doing this podcast and kind of you know obviously it's it's a little more obvious to me because I get around a lot talking to a lot of you folks as much yep. as I can and getting around all the cons in the area. But I see more interaction and I start to see more like uh, collaboration even, and that's what's super cool too, you know. So it's it's you know it's just growing more art and. As long as, you know, cool things keep happening, like you having these events, I think it's going to get to a real nice place. And I agree. I agree. I mean, having only been on the con circuit for uh, a bit, uh, less than a year, nine, ten months, you know, everyone I've met has been fantastic, you know, and getting to know the guys of the Black Hole Hunters Club and getting to know uh, Mike Ruth and all that was just one person after another. We just became buds and we just kept talking and it was just like this is a great crew of guys. And that was the other reason for putting together pints and pages was I want to hang with these guys. I want us to yeah, stay yeah. together and drink some beer and, you know, check this out. I had a really magical moment this year at fan expo because, uh, over the past few years and I've been getting to know the Michigan crew, they've been starting to creep up. Right. right. So last year there was a whole contingent that came. There was like six or seven of them this year. I think there was like four or five, but, uh, so they came up and last year, and we all just happened to end up at the uh, the Loose Moose on Front Street there. Yep, yep. And I, I think I don't know why, but we happened to go there for a drink, and so did like tons of other people, like Ryan Stegman and Finch, and they were all there hanging out. So we had a great night. So this year, I kind of tried to put it in everybody's heads, like you know, I think next year I'm even going to go further, maybe actually like rent the room and. Do like because there's no like official after parties for fan expo no, there aren't. There for aren't. the artists, you know, maybe for the fa- weird. yeah, there's a lot of fan stuff that goes on, but there's nothing where the artists can just go and, like you say, drink and hang out. So, but this year, a bunch of my friends from Michigan, I, I got there, and a bunch of the Toronto crew, 
And I almost had one of those like proud daddy moments standing alone in the corner as I'm watching all these artists from Toronto and Michigan just like hit it off like crazy. Right on. Like just having a great time. I got this one buddy, uh, Sean Nixon, and he's kind of an art dealer and he's an X-Men just just fanatic, right? Mm -hmm. And he had a bunch of his original art there. And it was just like 10 kids with beers around a table, just like, like ooing and aahing over like their hero's art, you know, and over pages and stuff. Yeah, 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 man. It was, it was the coolest thing. So I love to see that because it's a new generation. I mean, we're lucky in Ontario for a, the amount of conventions we have, the amount of art education that we have available in Ontario and some of the bigs i mean ty templeton ken lashley you know dave ross dave finch uh jason fabok these are all local guys it's, it's ridiculous like when you start finding out who actually lives here you know? like, yeah yeah when i was a, when I was a kid and and i've been working on sort of short essays about this sort of stuff growing up in kitchener i mean dave sim grew up in kitchener and does cerebus right and yeah, uh, yeah. but i didn't know there were any other comic artists in canada i had no idea because there was no way to know <laughs> you know you just assume they all were in new york city or something right and as you you know now it's 30 years 40 years later and i'm like oh my god ken lashley's just over there and ty templeton's just over there and francis manuel paul is just down there and, you know, <laughs> i could just walk over to their houses if i want something you know well dude i i, I uh, interviewed ty templeton at fan expo this year mm -hmm. and I've, I knew he kind of went to my comic shop. I'm in Clarkson, which is at the south end of Mississauga, okay. uh, south of the QE, south of Aaron Mills, kind of Aaron Mills and QEW. And uh, it, our little comic shop here is called Altered States. And these guys have been around for like 26 years. It's these brothers, and they're they're awesome. And with it's a name a, with a name like Altered States. They've been around for 26 years. Oh sure. yeah, yeah. It's it's an amazing old school shop, and it's been Ty Templeton's LCS forever. Okay. And I've seen him there occasionally and kind of said, hey, but I didn't realize he actually grew up in the area. Like, right. I, I live a street over from the street he grew up on. And I couldn't believe it when I found out. And <laughs> so, you know, we just hit it off talking about, you know, the area. We weren't even talking about comic books. We were just talking about, like, you know, local. Well, that's where it's more fun, too. I mean, I don't want to talk about comic books all the time with other comic makers, you know? No, it was a great chat, and he was excited to hear I knew the area. So, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that'll keep you going for days. <laughs> well, uh, I, in my day job, I'm an, uh, I'm an arboriculturalist. Okay. So I'm a tree, I'm a tree climber, tree, tree expert. Guy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that guy I mentioned before, Nixon, the art guy, he's, he is as well. And as he, he happened to mention that to Ken Lashley when they were just talking while he was getting a commission. Mm -hmm. And Lashley, who was out in Burlington, was like, well, I need my trees done, dude. <laughs> so Nixon ended up going over there and taking care of him and doing all his trees and, you know, being at his house. And Lashley brought him in and showed him his studio oh, sweet. where he works, all his stuff. He drew him some, you know, he drew him some stuff for doing the tree work and stuff. And you know that's amazing that's like. fantastic yeah. <laughs> i'm smiling over here just thinking about it oh yeah yeah and uh, there's also an artist one of the big ones that hit me was uh, this guy named robert bailey okay and robert bailey is a fine artist who does pencil illustration and stuff for lucasfilm and disney he's one of the very few guys who's like you know licensed exclusively to them like right. lucas has got his work in his living room and he is from uh i think brantford 
Oh, seriously? Yeah, and he was at the show. He did his first convention a couple of years ago. And I don't. Uh, luckily for me and Nixon, he didn't know what was going on because he was selling a whole bunch of his original pencil drawings for a hundred dollars. Oh my god! Yeah, How much did you spend. I just got one. That's good. Really? You know, I had already bought most of the stuff, but I had to. I went. I remember. I went and got more money. I was like, I need to buy one of these. Nixon yeah. got a few, and then literally the next year, he's selling them for like three to five hundred. Because I guess somebody clued him in. Yeah. <laughs> it was like get get those moments while you can, you know, or get yeah, the commissions yeah. from oh, up and coming a... artists while you can, you know. Yeah, it was it was such a score. It was very cool. That's now, uh, let's talk a little bit about your comic books, though. Sure. And there's a trend going on in Toronto, and I don't think it's a conscious thing, but it's something that I'm seeing that I'm loving is uh, the adventure I'm seeing in a lot of the indie books that are coming out. Uh, yours, uh, the crypto, I very adventurous, very fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, black hole hunters club. And this is the vibe I've been getting off a lot of the books I've been reading around like Yuki versus Panda. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. I know the title. I don't, I don't have the book. Super fun book. These guys are doing, uh, I can't remember where they're at is somewhere in the area, but this girl goes to the zoo and pisses off a Panda. And then like decades later, the Panda breaks out of the zoo and seeks revenge on the little girl. (laughs) It's it's amazing. Like, yeah, like this fun, cool, awesome stuff coming out of Toronto, like Michigan right now, you could say is a horror scene. Right. Like there's an amazing amount of awesome horror shit coming out. But I think we've got the adventure thing. So is that something that you were, you know, particularly I, interested in or is that a style you like? When I decided uh, – I sort of wrote down a list of five types of books I'd like to do, right, when I when I planned on getting into – I didn't want to just do one comic. So I wrote down, like, what kind of comics do do I like? What kind of movies do I like? And I sort of just wrote lists of stuff. And I was like, I love terrible horror films. You know, I love straight-to-VHS horror movies. I have to do something like that. Also, I love the movie The Thing and Predator and the video game Altered Beast. And, all, and I was like, how can I com- – I just want to combine all that into one book. And that was Cryptozombic. That's how that sort of came about. And it came about very quickly because it's just the stuff I love. Yeah, yeah. It's um, got a very like uh, a pulpish kind of B movie feel to it. Definitely. You know, but with a little like a little more kind of. I don't want to say the words because it's 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 a misnomer. But that I, I don't know what kind of genre you'd call Indiana Jones. Like the I got on the art. That's the pulp pulp genre. You know, the, yeah, the thirties adventurer type thing. But I'm yeah. a sucker for that shit. So I loved it, man. I thought it, and it was it's a read, man. Like you you put some weight into that book. Yeah, there's there. I mean, each book is the first issues are all 32 pages too, and you also realize you can throw in a lot of story when you don't have ads too. You know, that's like it's like that's a full on comic book right there. It's longer than most books. Um, what uh, I don't know, I guess it's like what I like is I want to so many books or when you see a lot of work by some comic makers, and I don't, I'm not putting anyone down by saying this. They try to tackle these gigantic sort of themes where it's like everything is like and the forces of darkness versus the forces of light. And you are the last surviving one of your kind. Yes, you the have chosen a one. sword from a this. And <laughs> I can't tell you how boring that is. I mean, to me, that's not a story I want to read. I don't care about it. It exists. I can see it in other places. I can see Star Wars. I can see Harry Potter. I can see 
that. It's all these like, and have the forces of hell are coming up, and he is the fallen angel, and all. And it's just, it's not my thing. You can only make a book that you believe in. And so, I, if I tried to do something like that, it would ring false, or I would, it would end up being a parody. You know, I, I wanted my books to, as, as ridiculous as they are, uh, still have a sort of human element and a human struggle, to, sure. you know, that gets yeah. revealed over time. And, and the best way I think to do that is to just keep throwing crazy obstacles at your protagonists and watch them change and watch them deal with it and watch them evolve. And in the case of Cryptozombic, too, we're currently, you're not really sure if, if your main character is actually a good guy or a bad guy yet, you know? It has yeah. really been decided what what happened to this man, you know, for the reader. The reader doesn't quite know. He just knows that some bad stuff went down and this guy was in the middle of it. That's survived. exactly right, dude. Like, the end got me. I was not expecting that. Exactly. At Thank all. You. Thank like, you very uh, much. <laughs> that's actually twice in two days that uh, I was – okay, actually – okay. Yesterday I read a book uh, called Touching Evil by Dan Doherty. Okay. And it's an amazing book. And it was one of the best cliffhangers that I've read this year. Like just an amazing cliffhanger where I was like, give me the next book. Give me the next comment. So yours wasn't so much a cliffhanger as a surprise. Like, uh, like, holy shit. Like I do want to see what happens next. And I'm not going to spoil it for the kids out there who should read it. But not in any way did I see that. And I kind of – not that I should have, but I don't know. You just surrounded – you surrounded the story with so much of stuff to pay attention to and see where all this, these little things are going that it just kind of it distracted you. And then, bam, because I wasn't as much as the hero. You're not sure if the main guy's a hero or a villain. You're he's still familiar enough that he's kind of your guide through the story. Yeah. Right? Like we're seeing it through his point of view. We're seeing him try to tell all the idiots that they're going to do stupid things or whatever. You know, don't die. And then the end happens, and I was like, whoa. And all your focus kind of goes back another way. Like, Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It was funny, too, because with, with a lot of my plotting and that, I mean, I write really good notes, but I do like to leave room to surprise myself, too. And I knew there was going to be an element of <laughs> – it's really tough talking about something that you can't reveal. Yeah. So when that happened, uh, when I was doing my notes, it also surprised me because I was like, this just made it 100% more fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. This is just way crazier now than the first 16 pages lead you to believe what is going to happen next. When that happens, I was like, great. I totally know what I'm doing for the next four issues. No you problem. Pegged <laughs> On it, our man. way. Yeah, yeah. You totally pegged it. The fun factor, just like in the last panel, the fun <laughs> factor goes, yo! Yeah. That's that's same thing. And that's just like you say, it was constructed beautifully. Same thing with that book I read yesterday. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh I do recommend it. Dan Doherty, Touching yeah, Evil. Just, I've got it. So far, I've written down Robert Bailey, Touching Evil. Oh, nice. Yeah. Go at the same time. It was really, really, really well constructed. Like the the the, the pacing mm-hmm. of uh, this book was really good. Like the beats were just right on where they should have been. You know, it a, a pulp style sort of book as well. No, no. It's it's. I call it a, a thriller horror. Okay. It's definitely like a horror book. Um. I don't think I've just got to the yeah it's a horror book but yeah. it's 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 pretty intense but it's really well crafted and I love a good crafted story and yeah. especially when it's fun like you made it was uh super cool and like I said that was the same thing when I read when I read Black Hole Hunters Club the first time it's not what I was expecting 
And then I read it and I was like, okay, that was way more fun than I was kind of expecting it to be, you know? I think you want, you want your own, you can't help but have your own personality come through it when it's a creator owned book, you know? And, and I love hanging out with Ricky and Shane, you know, they're a blast to, to hang out with and they're funny and they, they riff off of each other really well. And that, and all that kind of comes across in the book itself when you read Black Hole Hunters Club too, that it's a good time. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a that's a fun book to you enjoy it, you know, and you like these characters and you actually you get used to that being a bunch of talking aliens really quickly. Yeah, <laughs> part of the fun, you know, yeah. I didn't know what it was about. And I got the first couple of issues and I was reading them going, this is so much fun. I like Lars. I love these guys. I did a <laughs> I did a pinup that'll be coming out for the next one when they do the next one. Oh, soon. Cool. You know, it's like. I want to draw this guy. I want to draw Lars. And I want to draw Princess Zafra. I have to. <laughs> it got to be mine, you know. Nice. Yeah, I love fun comic books, man. Those are probably my favorite. I'd, I'd say that's why, big two wise, I'm I'm way more of a DC kid than a Marvel kid. Like I've always been a giant DC kid, and for me, I like my superheroes godlike. Mm-hmm. I like them able to punch planets. I don't want them to have problems and. You know, anti-heroes and alcoholics and, you know, dark pasts, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I like fun. Yeah. And I love to read a fun comic. And, you know, that totally suits, you know. I think suits- the, the themes, like when DC was doing stuff, uh, I haven't I've been a DC fan since the Teen Titans, Legion of Superheroes sort of days, since George right. Perez was really working the, his magic on books. Um but but it comes from a very sort of 50s-based storytelling. You know, it is very serialized feeling. DC does that well, you know. Um, but when it comes to the Punching Planets thing, I'm totally on your side with that because I'm a Jack Kirby fan from right, right. 100%. If there's any guy who could write in a book and draw a book where a guy's punching a planet, it's Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> or if you read, uh, if you read Godland, the Tom Scioli uh no, the author's name series. It's a it was a image book. It was probably by Image, and it's just it's Kirby cosmicness times a hundred. It's absolutely hilarious and insane how it's a a love letter to those to 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 the new gods sort of work that Kirby did and everything. And then it even amps it up even even farther. Uh, Checking out. While it's in my head here, I'm going to make you a recommendation of a book I think you might really enjoy. It's called Doctor Atlantis. Okay. And they were on this show a couple of years ago. That's a great title. Oh, they're fantastic. It's a it's a great book. It's uh it's about this guy, Doctor Atlantis, and it's a very uh same idea. Uh pulpish, but not like uh kind of rockabilly pulpish as much. It's more like uh steampunky. Right. In a way. And it's it's just it's the same thing. It's fun as all living hell. It's one of those adventurous books that's got an original feel to it, but it's just a great good time adventure fun book. You know, nice. it's it's uh, yeah. I always like to recommend that one because I I do like that. There's so much talent that's starting to grow up in the area, and I think the more everybody gets to know each other, the more everybody supports each other, the better yep. stuff's just gonna get. Like the higher quality you know work like. I agree. I agree. And I like, I like, well, I think right now too, I think there's a big sort of push in books that are, that allow everything to happen. Like that books can have an aspect of the paranormal to it. That's just accepted, you know, like it's in homeless G men when I decided to put in werewolves and 
tr- and troll things and whatever. It's like, yeah, that <laughs> just feels right. You know, they're just going to happen. That's just going to be there. And I think a lot of a lot of other comic makers like using this sort of steampunk vibe and horror vibe realize that too. It's okay. You have permission to put these things in your books. You know, that's the sure. best thing about having the pulp or paranormal or BPRD kind of themed work is that you're just allowed to do that. You don't need to explain everything. And I, I kind of like books that don't have to explain everything to me, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, throw, uh, throw in a Frankenstein. What the hell? Who cares? What, what? <laughs> One of my favorite things going on right now is, uh, Dave Bishop, DA Bishop. Yep. He, uh, of stone. Have you yep. read of stone yet? I'm going to be reading it very soon. Oh, you're going to love it. It's so, so good. It's we just of... did the Humber Comic Con or Humber. Were we at Humber? Oh, yeah. that's right. That little right. invite only type thing. Uh, was it? Um, I think it was just sort of for the students, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't get a chance to grab the books from him. It was, oh, no, you guys. there one day and, uh, we're across the sort of hall from each other thing. And then you just sort of get into your day and doing stuff. And I wasn't able to pick it up. So that was, that was my mistake. I apologize, Mr. Bishop. 100%. I'm sure you will get your chance again, even though actually the past year he took a bit of a break from cons. And really wanted to dive into the work, which right now he's working at a feverish pace. I mean, at least to the stuff he's been sharing on social media. He's on number three now or something? Yeah, he's on number three. But I just – one of the great things – not only is it an amazing book and just fantastical as all hell, but he has so much fun doing it. Like he's Good. just absolutely in love with this project, you know? Not that he doesn't love most things he does, but the, you can tell he's really into this of stone. And an, another thing that's just like, you know, I'm going to do ogres and I'm going to make them crazy. Like, you know, it's I love it. And, you know, it, I don't know. I just love it. <laughs> it's, it's original <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. So I got a million things whirling in my head around. Like when I think about the community, I get so excited about it. And I think one of the big differences, something I notice in Michigan is uh, is the mini team ups. Okay. There's a lot of like little tiny publishers there who are just, you know, there'll be like a group of six to eight people who just are all constantly collaborating together under kind of one banner. Like Source Point Press is a great example. And uh, it's just like five or six friends putting out together, you know, switching back and forth and making comics together. And, you know, people kind of come in and come out, but they just, it builds, it builds something. It builds a base to work off of. And I, I don't see that much in Toronto. Like, if you think about it, we don't have many, like, really tiny, small-time publishers here, you know? No, we don't. No, yeah. It's, and, uh, I don't know if it's about people thinking that printing is just the cost or prohibitive or we're going to soon come up to that and there's going to be more Kickstarters coming out of the Toronto comic scene to do collaborations or to do uh, anthology books or something like that, like the Toronto – uh, comics anthology, of course, and and yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil McClory and that doing the monsterology books. Um, there should, you know, I think that that's something that has arrived now. It's always been here, but now I think it's easier to do it on a larger scale. It's easier with digital media and social media to bring in more artists locally quickly to do stories. You know, absolutely. Like I try to do my part, and I just try to shout to the mountaintops as many of these stories and names as I can, but. I think that might be a key is to, you know, maybe a little bit more kind of unification in smaller pockets around kind of thing. Like, you know, like, look, yeah. like Captain Canuck, who puts out Captain Canuck? Chapter House. Yeah. And, you know, can you think of tons of like I'm I personally am not familiar with many other titles under them, you know? 
Well, they're growing now, yeah, because Jason's Pitiful Human Lizard is now going to be published by Chapter House. Okay. And then there's another book coming out, and I don't know the woman's name, I apologize, uh, that I, is, is it going to be their newest title? And I think it was sort of her graduating art project from university. She did a comic book, and apparently it was good enough to, for Chapter House, we're like, let's do this. And I don't know the title. I don't have the... That's cool though. No, that's yeah. that's nice to hear because often guys gotta they gotta outsource, right? Like my my good friend Anthony Reckazer is yes, the of course he, the first hero. Yes, you know Anthony. Yes, I've I've actually known Anthony for about fifteen years. Oh really? Yeah. And uh, he was a friend of a friend way back when. So it's actually just a coincidence that him and I are so heavily involved in this scene. Uh, we've just happened to know each other. Like we didn't meet each other through that anything to do with comic books whatsoever. So it's kind of weird, but, uh, so anyways, but yeah, but I mean, he had to do what he could. I mean, he fought for years, chased his dream. It's so happy. I'm so happy to watch it finally coming true. But I mean, he, and amazing that he's with action lab now, but he had to go to action, go to action lab. Like he had to leave the country to find somebody to make his comic book. I think, I think that's, uh, sometimes there's a a benefit to that as well too. Yeah. Of course. I I would in the next couple of years want to start pitching, to companies in the States because that's where the companies are. <laughs> Absolutely. But one thing I have seen is, is that there, there's no stepping stones. It feels like, like in smaller areas, it's either like a bunch of people get together make themselves known. And then it's almost like a boy band, like the, right. you know, they'll kind of get a good little bass going and then the break off solo star will kind of shoot out. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's sure. uh accurate. There's just so much in Toronto. Like, it, not that it feels competitive, but it is competitive just by numbers. You know, like, there's just an insane amount of. We did a panel this year at Fan Expo, and it was about self publishing and self printing. And uh, I moderated that with uh, Ted Woods, Jules Faulkner, and Jay Fosgate. Very cool. Okay. And there was so much interest I wasn't expecting. Just like the room was packed with guys. I would, actually, I would believe that, of course. Unbelievable yeah. how many people were at this panel. And uh, it was a great talk. Tons of audience interaction and just a big old Q&A. And it really got me excited. And afterwards, I must have came home with like 30 cards in my pocket. Of people <laughs> just wanting to do the show, and get yeah. their, you know, which is great. I mean, it's one good thing about doing a comics podcast. That you, you never run out of people to talk to. You're not going to – yeah, there will <laughs> always be someone you can call up. I think – well, there's there's something about – there's questions of distribution. There's questions of printing. There's questions of – you know, like – but the first thing you got to do is you have to make a 32-page comic book that someone wants to read. Yes. <laughs> you know? yes. Or that you're happy with first, that you want to pay for the printing of. Or maybe it's a smaller book. Maybe it's a mini comic. Maybe it's whatever. But you – first and foremost have to make something that you're proud of and uh and that answers you you answer like one set of questions by doing that and then there's the next set of questions right which is about getting it out there how do how do i sell this book to people you know there's there's all these achievement unlocked you know like before you even sell your first comic book to someone oh yeah and especially hard in a big city when you've got you got to fight a lot of uh kind of pompousness in a way i mean there's you know there's when you're in a big city in a certain community there can be a lot of looking down the nose you know that yes. I've, I've witnessed from a lot of different areas and 
you know, that's one thing about that Michigan scene. You will not see that. You will see the lowliest guy who just made his first comic, uh, probably at the after party having a drink with the guy running the con. Right. That's like, there's, there's just no, there's no sense of superiority in any way. And, you know, that that's something maybe we could use a little more around. Yeah, definitely. You know, is uh, just people wanting to help each other. I don't know. I've never I've never had a bad experience from anyone else because I I I mean I've I've been do I've been making art professionally for 20 years, you know. There's no I am experienced. So yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't take any shit from anybody if they tried to look down their nose from me because I've been supporting myself for quite a while making paints, you know, selling paintings and and Oh, well, it's hard work and that's what I'm seeing. The guys that are growing up now and starting there's this little community starting to build of cool guys. Just like you say, guys who just are enjoying hanging out with each other Mm -hmm. and that's that's where it comes from because that's the trueness of it. Like, I've been going to Fan Expo for 15 years and, you know, I've experienced a lot of different stuff there, you know, from a lot of different types of people and never ever before have i felt such a sense of let's build something together let's let's you know let's reach out let's not just be in this giant pool of sharks trying to swim to the top and that that actually fan expo itself kind of went that way for a lot of years you know Mm -hmm. it was a the past couple of years there that a lot of the heart was missing from what became just a giant monster you know and this year, more than any, I really felt things starting to get back to the core a little. Right. Uh, people starting to have fun more. People starting to just talk and enjoy being there and not completely miserable if they weren't making hundreds and hundreds of dollars. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I think, well, what's, I think, too, what's at the base of it, one thing that's very difficult is that you have a large group of people competing for a very limited number of spots. Yes. You know, that's alone is difficult i mean you can't do every con you can't afford to spend the 300 dollars and for every single event you know so you you do if you get into fan expo into artist alley you know and you're not seated near your pals and stuff and you're not selling one day or whatever you can start to get really down you know i think the first thing you have to say going into any con is i'm going to have a positive experience no matter what Absolutely. And you have to find the way to do that, whether if you're not selling a lot, then get to know the people around you because you're going to see them again or go find your buddy who you want to talk to and and uh, make sure you say hi to him. You know, there's so many times where you can go for an hour and a half and not make a sale or something. Right. Even though you're pitching and talking to people, you just got to keep it positive. It has to have that fun feeling to it. And it's an enormous beast. It's a huge. Oh yeah, <laughs> fan expo insane. intimidates me to no end. I haven't done it yet, and I don't want to. It's, well, it's so big. It's know? so big. It's, 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 it's. Yeah, it's a thing unto its own. I mean, I've, I've over the years learned the secret tunnels and like the nooks and crannies yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how to really do fan expo. Well, yeah. I'm always lucky because I don't get press for fan expo. They refuse to give podcasts press. Oh, really? Okay. And it's just a matter of podcasts being like the Wild West. Right. You know, it could be anybody. You can't, It's really hard to vet a podcast. So yeah. it's not so much even Fan Expo as much as the celebrities. You know, when a celebrity – most of the celebrities and media guests at Fan Expo are A-listers. Yes. And they're the ones who are going to have the handlers who are like no podcasts because we can't tell who they are kind of thing. So, you know, that's why I spend my time in Artist Sally talking to the real people that you should be there for anyways. 
but Anthony usually I get his uh, his guest pass for when he gets a table. Okay. So I at least avoid the lineups, but that's nice. You yeah. know, that's that's Gorilla Pod. You know, that's I, <laughs> I've seen it before. I've seen there was this podcast at Fan Expo a few years ago, and they must have spent a thousand dollars just on the aesthetics of their booth. Like they turned yeah. it into like a log cabin, and you know, put, pumped all this money into this podcast. I've seen it so many times. You know, expensive equipment. You know, this, this, and that, and then they're so disappointed with their numbers that. You know, it just folds within a month. They're gone. Right. And it's like, no, that's not why we're here. This is a Comic-Con. We're supposed to be talking to these people. And you're at a comic. They weren't even podcasting. Oh, really? They were just there being promotional. And I was like, how? their own podcast? What the hell are you guys doing? So I interviewed them in their booth, you know, and was like, somebody's got a podcast around here, you know? So I, I like. You know, that's what I'm trying to build. I'm trying to be that voice of the common man. Like, you know, you can watch Interspace all you want and get all the coverage of all the booths and all the exciting things and panels, you know, but I, I want to be there for, you know, the important stuff. I want to be, you know, well, even, to the even, guys who are working the hardest, you know. Even Interspace really has to pick and choose what they're, you know, like oh, yeah. in a beast in, in the stomach of Fan Expo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, one year I did your scraps, you know. I had 14 hours of content one year. Mm-hmm. And that, I, that's I, pretty good. Oh, I don't know how I did that. I yeah. mean, I fucking must have talked to 20 different people. It was insane. But I had to do like a four-part Fan Expo because, you know, I've actually, I've learned how to do it better over the years. Actually, now what I do is I try to be, I pick more particular people and try to talk to them for longer periods of time Yeah. rather than do like 14 people in one hour like I used to do when I was young and didn't know what the hell was happening. <laughs> I want to talk to everybody. Yeah. And I still, yeah. You know, so now I, I try to be smarter and like do like scheduling, you know, like yeah, when I talk yes. to you, like the Hamilton Comic Con, I was not working. I was just there to have a good time yeah. and check it out. And, you know, but able, you know, I'm still able to set up things for later and do some schmoozing and meet some cool people. So yeah, the first day of Hamilton was an absolute blast. That was a great con day. I, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was better than I expected it to be. You know, and it was good to see people like Alfonso. Alfonso yeah. was there, Studio Comics, and uh, you know, it's great to yeah, see. Yeah, all those guys ended up in a line together at the front, and I was in the, stuck in, was at the back <laughs> by this five of first guys, which is cool. But I was like, why don't I ever get seated with the comic makers? I write on every application that I make comic books. Why do I never get to sit with the other guys who are making comic books? So where can people buy said comic books from you? Um, my The books are available at The Beguiling uh, and also by contacting me through the Homeless G-Men page on Facebook. Uh, my store is set up for the U.S. I haven't set up a Canadian store yet. Uh, but <laughs> You're in my... Canada, dude. <laughs> What's that? You're in Canada, dude. Yeah, they can just email me. Send me. Just email me. And I'll do it for you. Send me a PayPal check, and I'll send you. Nice. Books, you know? <laughs> um, and no, I'll be I'll be adding listings to that in Canadian money at some point when I figure out how to do that. Um, and then, of course, you come this weekend to Pints and Pages and come and get a bunch of books. Uh, yeah, uh, very cool, kids. Seriously, get out there. It's four o eight Queen Street West, beautiful Toronto, Ontario, the Canada. 
covered in ants. It's really hard to miss. Right on the corner, look up. You will see ten giant sculptures of ants crawling on the building. <laughs> and uh, I think you're supposed to enter through the back door now. No, no, come in through the front. But the, All right. the second room is where we'll be. And, and there's a sign that says the, the back room is in the back. So that tells you how many times people... Uh, have asked where the back room is. <laughs> walk through into the back of the Cameron House. And a uh, quick rundown of some of the amazing people you can meet. You can meet uh, Ricky Lima and Sean uh, Shane Amato. Sorry. Ricky and, and Shane will be there on Sunday. Jason Liu, beautiful, pitiful human lizard, will be there Sunday. Sean Daly, uh, Terraquil, will be there Sunday. On Saturday, it'll be I'm there Saturday and Sunday. So is Mike Roof. Uh, on Saturday, Keith Gratchow will be there, and we're going to be bringing in another uh, artist to be revealed on Saturday as well. Because, Very cool. Because Ricky forgot he had a wedding on Saturday. Ricky. <laughs> they moved Ricky. And Shane had a, has a wedding on that day, too. And I said, Ricky, it's not the same wedding, is it? Because that'd be pretty sad. <laughs> He's like, no, it's a totally different wedding. I was like, okay, good. Good to know. So there will be... Uh, a minimum of five of us there each day. We didn't want to stock it with t like 10 artists for each day because it's the first year we're doing it. We just wanted to say, well, let's see what, what five does or what six does, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll be taking up most of the tables. So people will be standing around and hanging out and chatting and that. And uh, we didn't want it to be too claustrophobic. And at the same time, we didn't want uh, it to be too few artists, you know, there's, there's, so for the first year, I was like five or six feels about right. That's, it's, it's a four hour long event. Um, that's a good length of time. Let's just see how it goes, you know? Yeah. Perfect. So the more people who come and, and fill up the, the, the rooms, the happier, you know, the more fun everyone will have. If it's too packed, we don't want people tripping over each other. We want room to breathe, you know? So I think it's going to be a very good time. I think it's going to be a super fantastic time. It will uh, be a super fantastic time. Kids, y'all need to come out because an elegant weapon is going to be there, and we'll be podcasting the whole damn thing. 3 and, till 7 p.m. Yes, 3 till 7 p.m. Again, that's at the Cameron House. I said Toronto before like an American. I said Toronto. 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 Ontario. I'm really, really excited about this. And not only that, kids, but check this out. November 14th, 15th, you've got covered. Go to Pints and Pages, have some of the coolest fun you could have. Then, Monday, November 16th, it's that time of year again, kids. Lee's Palace, the Slackers, return to Toronto, November 16th. Are you familiar with the Slackers, Andrew? Of course I am, yes. The Slackers are the greatest band on earth we love our ska oh. oh if you people aren't familiar with the slackers you need to get out there and find out this will be my 24th time seeing the slackers congratulations sir oh i'm so stoked i've been in touch with them actually i spoke with mr dave hilliard the other day i'm trying to get them to sit down for the show i don't know if it's going to happen because they are indeed slackers the, <laughs> the name is not just clever but it's very very hard to actually get one of them to just chill in uh, in a particular spot at a particular time. <laughs> Amazing musicians, I tell you. Oh my yeah. God! So it's uh, it's really really good time. So make sure that you go to Lee's on Monday night. Check out the Slackers as well. Uh, they're playing around the area. I think if you're up in Guelph, they'll be playing up there too. They usually do. Uh, yeah, and Pines and Pages, uh, and of course, Mr. Andrew Shehan. 
Yes. What do you go by? Is I've been, I've been staying on the show A Shea, so I everyone don't just to... calls me Shea. Yeah. Shea. The event is free, also too. It's, oh yes. There is no admission cost. Of course, you'll be hopefully you know you got to buy a beer or something. Buy a beer that's called Pints and Pages. After all, grab a beer, hang out with some comic makers. You can get your Christmas shopping done extra early too by buying <laughs> comic books and drawings. We well, will be drawing all day, so we are taking commissions while we're there. Come on in if you've got something that you want. We will craft it up for you. We have the superstar man himself, Mike Ruth, there. Oh, my goodness. If you want a drawing, that's the, a beautiful ink drawing. That's the yes. man to talk to. Yes. Yes, indeed. If you're into more, if you're looking for books for younger readers, Keith Grachow does children's books that are quite spectacular, worth checking out. If uh, And hopefully, Sean Daly will be there covered in water paints, as always. <laughs> Dripping wet, with the trucker hat on, covered in watercolor, with a box of a box of fucking pictures that he's like, go ahead. Yep, they, yeah, that thing was packed in what was it, a year ago at Toronto Expo. I was just like, oh my god, did you do all those for this? Well, his drawing his drawing board is literally beside his bed. Yeah, I think he literally rolls out of bed into the drawing chair and just continues to draw after his slumber. I'm going to walk down to a cold basement to do that. <laughs> a lucky man. He can wear a blanket while he's there. Kids, but if you want to come out and meet the core of what is in a couple of years definitely going to be an absolute monstrous entity within the Toronto comic book making community, this is the place to come because these are guys who are all very talented, uh, I've read books from most everybody. I'm actually not familiar with uh, Keith's work, but uh, you mentioned he does children's books, yeah? He does a couple, and he also has his own comics as well called Concrete Martians, I, I think is the title. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. But uh, yeah, um, Shay, thank you so much for hanging out, man. It's been an absolute blast. Totally, Jason. Great talking to you, man. We will do it again on the weekend coming. But for now, kids, that is all we are going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon. Take it easy. Cheers. Cheers.